Hello and welcome to Such Sights to See, the podcast about journeying through cinema with my good friend. I am your host, Patrick, and my good friend is Eric. Follow us on Letterboxd. I'm Long Monkey, and Eric is Normal Monkey. Each episode, we pick a film to watch together and secretly pick something to watch on our own inspired by that choice. It's Halloween time. It's spooky time, Eric. Happy Ooh. Halloween, almost. Happy Halloween. Yes, it's my favorite time of the year. Me too. I just watch horror movies for a month and no one thinks I'm weird about it. I mean, they still do. I'm sure. <laughs> right. Uh, so I'm doing Hooptober this year. I think I told you about it. I don't know. If I, I don't understand it why it's called that. Uh, I don't know how it originated. So it sounds like you're watching a lot of basketball. <laughs> for those. Yeah, I know. It could be like a like a. I like, don't know what a basketball sounds like is. it should be on TNT. Welcome to Hooptober on TNT. <laughs> Your Atlanta Falcons, Atlanta Falcons, Atlanta Hawks take on the Miami Heat. Are those uh, are those uh, basketball teams? They are. <laughs> okay, you could have said anything there. So um, anyway, I don't know if I talked about it on the podcast, but Hooptober is sort of a letterboxed scavenger hunt that they do for the month of October, where they give you a bunch of uh, categories and you're supposed to pick 31 movies that fit those categories in any combination as long as there's 31 movies and all the categories are represented so i had a lot of fun making my list this year and um i'm just going through it watching them whenever i want so it's cool it's, it's fun cool cool cool. but why is it called hooptober because oh, they're well, making you jump through hoops to watch movies like i don't I understand know. It's, I don't know if the first one was inspired by Toby Hooper, but Toby Hooper is, you know, the acclaimed horror director of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And every year you have to at least watch one Toby Hooper movie. Oh. I don't know if the first one was just, they picked his name because it went well with October. Who knows? Okay. Craven-tober. Crave is what I'd call Cronin-tober. it. Cronin-tober. <laughs> yeah. Romero-tober. That kind of works. So have you been doing any Halloween festivities, movie-related things? Uh, I've just been watching a couple horror movies here or there. Nothing specific. No theme. Mm, okay. Just watching what whatever catches my fancy when I'm mindlessly scrolling through streaming services. I, I, I find that having a plan helps. I just pick one off. That the list. has never worked for me. I'm more of a wild card. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I was, um, I was inspired by you because you Aww. do this thing where you, you do your live um, double features with some friends and mm-hmm. you uh, explain a movie plot badly is how you've put it where you, just put like a one sentence description. Yeah, I stole of that from uh, you know Twitter RIP. Yes. <laughs> so I thought it was a cool idea. So I thought I would uh, come up with a few of them for movies that I watched this past two weeks and see if you can guess them. Oh God. <laughs> now you may have seen my Letterbox stream, so this may be easier because of that. But I'm not going to give you anything too hard. These are all popular movies that you probably have seen or at least know of. Okay. All right. Let's jump into it. Start with one. Ready? I'm ready. A group of teens who are visiting their childhood home go over to the neighbor's house for dinner. A group of teens visiting their childhood home. Go over a neighbor's house for dinner. This is a classic Hooptober entry of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, have you ever I seen the original? That one. I, in, I saw the, uh, I, I assume I originally mean the Jessica Biel version. <laughs> right, yes. The first one ever made, yes. Um, well, I watched, this was my first movie of Hooptober. And what, what struck me this viewing, because I've seen it before, was how experimental it is. It's really doing some surreal things with tone and uh, like almost like collage like directing where you just get these like weird landscapes and weird sound effects and then lots of shots of bones and death and things. And there's not a lot of gore or violence on screen, which 
I was surprised about. It's all about like this just dirty, grimy feeling, which was pretty cool. Yeah, you would think something called with Chainsaw and Massacre in the title would be very gory, like a Saw mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, a lot of a lot of it happens off screen. Um, and it's just still very disturbing and largely because of just that weird feeling it evokes. So, yeah, I think it's one of the best, one of the greats. Uh, yeah, what I, did you think of the Jessica Beale version? The only thing I remember about the Jessica Beale version is that she was very wet and in a white tank top for a large portion of the movie. So, <laughs> so I gave it two thumbs up. <laughs> the two thumbs up. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, well, I I look forward to watching more Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. I've seen a few, but this first one was great. Yeah, I remember. I think that came out probably about 20 years ago in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was much more of a just a creepy. Why are, why are they going to this house? Why are they even talking to these people that are clearly deranged um, right, right. <laughs> kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Much more of a stock horror movie. Although I wonder if that's just because of the ground that was laid before it. Right. You right. know, things that like, were experimental when the original came out have probably become hack and eyed tropey things. Yes. Yeah. When you watch like this, this version, you realize like, Oh wow, this is, this is where all the other movies got it from. <laughs> all right, Eric, I'm going to give you a, a newer movie. You ready? I'm ready. A civil engineer deals with a fatal disease prognosis in the only way he knows how. Well, that's got to be one of the Saw movies. <laughs> it is indeed the newest Saw movie, Saw 10. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I won't spoil it. I will say that it is exactly what you'd expect from a Saw movie. It does all the things that I like about Saw movies, which is like the big... Uh, climactic reveal where you realize that John is in charge the whole time that jigsaw, you know, planned everything out and it, it does the uh, just the clever traps and putting people in traps that really deserve it. Although in this version, the traps are pretty gnarly and it does uh, linger on the graphicness a lot. And, mm. I'm not really into that stuff. It was like hard to watch. Like literally I'm in the theater, like with my hands over my eyes <laughs> for some of it, but overall I enjoyed it. <laughs> I love the saw movies. Mm-hmm. They are like, they're not good movies, but they're so entertaining. And I just mm-hmm. really enjoy. It's almost akin to me, like the nightmare and Elm street movies where you want Freddie to win. So he'll say a cool one liner, Mm-hmm. You know, up until the end, you know, because obviously he has to lose to the final girl in the end. Right, these are right. the same way in that I want to see what these traps are. I don't even care about the people who mm-hmm. are stuck in them. Like, it's enough to watch these Rube Goldbergian, like, traps just trigger and see mm-hmm. how these people are going to die mm-hmm. and what he's cooked up this time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, agreed. And I where? Really like- mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I, re- I was going to say, I really like also how if you watch them all in the row, that there's some sort of like insane continuity between the series, like all of them connect and all the characters connect and the timeline is so convoluted, but makes sense. And that's also very fun to watch. That was the question I was going to ask is where does this one take place in the timeline? So it's after number two, I believe. Okay. Or after number three, it's it's a, it's around there. So it's early on where uh spoiler alert jigsaw is still alive <laughs> in this series in this in this movie of course uh and it's good to have him back because he was definitely um the most fun character to watch because he's always in control even when yeah. it doesn't look like it he knows what's going on which is cool you have any uh, more i like uh, I, I want to play a game Yes, you want to play a game. I have. I was wondering why you rode into the podcast on your tricycle. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, the Saw 10 need, need a more tricycle. I will say that. Are you ready? I'm ready. A real estate agent becomes obsessed with his client. Real estate agent. I will say that this has been made many times into a movie. So are you saying this description fits more than one movie or th- this is a movie with 
that's been remade a bunch of times. Um, it's it, it fits the story that was made into a movie many times. Okay, uh, I I really don't know. It's uh, Dracula. Dracula. Oh. Yeah. So Renfield being the real estate agent, basically. <laughs> um, Which so, Dracula? Because there's like a thousand of those. So one, I watched two of them. I watched the original Dracula for the first time with Bela Lugosi. Cause so I like had, Nosferatu? No, no. This is the Universal Monsters version. Of oh, Dracula. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Because uh, I just watched Ed Wood. And Ed Wood, um, you know, has Bela Lugosi as one of the main characters. And that's where he became famous playing Dracula. So I went and watched it and it's not a good movie. I have to say I was surprised that it's not that good, but it does have this creepy vibe and like this campy uh, fog shrouded castle thing going on where it has obviously fake bats that are flapping around and fake spiders and fake spider webs. And so I kind of like, I liked watching it just because of that weird vibe, but Mm -hmm. overall it's not, not a good movie. Uh, and I, I don't think I'm alone in that criticism either. It's not considered one of the better universal monster movies, but it's definitely iconic in its own way. And there are armadillos in it, in, in his castle for some reason, which I thought was funny. Cause why not? If you're an immortal being of darkness, wouldn't you just have weird animals all over the place? Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Although the American Southwest is probably pretty difficult for uh, a vampire to, to visit. Hmm. That is true. So how did the armadillos get there? Who knows? Are they nocturnal? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't think the movie cares. Maybe he sent his Renfield, his familiar. Yes. (laughs) Uh, And I also watched, and the Hooptober scavenger hunt thing for this was the lowest rated Dracula movie that you have not seen, but you have access to. So I watched Dracula 3D by Dario Argento. Oh my God. I didn't even know that existed. It's a derisible movie that he made in the early 2000s at the dawn of CGI in mainstream movies. And the CGI is horrible. The movie looks so cheap. He has his daughter playing, or Asia Argento, playing the um, Lucy character. And of course, films are naked for extended periods of time. (laughs) Of course, as one does to their daughter. (laughs) Yeah, really. Uh, And it's just cheap and unnecessary and it looks really bad. It does have some fun gore, I guess at times when Dracula starts murdering people, but man, overall it's a pretty bad movie. I see why it was so lowly rated. My brother for years has been begging me to see, I don't even know the name, Dracula 2000. I want to say uh, it's Dracula <laughs> and a number. Yeah. I've never, I still have never seen it. Have you that seen it? A, uh, yes, actually I've seen it. I saw it when it came out. Was it good? I remember that was what Stuart Townsend is in it, I think. I don't know. He lent me the DVD for like, (laughs) for all I know, it's still around here somewhere. And I've moved states and I've Uh, never watched it because it just looked it looked like the most 2000s thing ever. Like just the DVD case. Oh, no, it's got Gerard Butler in it. I've not seen this one. I saw. Oh, man, if only we did the Butler did it podcast. We could have watched (laughs) Oh man, I saw the Queen Queen of the Damned. That's the one I'm thinking of, which I think was a sequel to this or came out around the same time. Was that not based on an Anne Rice book? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but anyway, uh yeah, I've not seen this and it does look pretty bad, but it's got Gerard Butler, so you know, count me. Yeah, in. I don't know. My brother kept raving about how much he loved it, so interesting. All right. Um, well, now that well, I know Jerry B is in it, I might have to check it out. Yeah, Jerry B. And Christopher so, Plummer. Yeah. And vitamin I, C, our hometown vitamin C. What is that? Vitamin C. <laughs> vitamin C uh, is a person who is from our hometown. How did you not know this? <laughs> oh, of course. I'm not even not- kidding. She wrote that graduation <laughs> song. Called the graduation song by Vitamin C. What, She's from, uh, I believe, Lawrence Harbor or Cliffwood Beach or something. 
Uh, oh, she was born in 1969, so she's a little before our generation for sure. Uh, so no, I did not know that. Yeah. Cedar Ridge grad. Boo Cougars. Boo, Cedar Ridge. <laughs> That's very funny. What is a vitamin um, C? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got some more for you, but I think I, I should let you uh, talk about a movie you watch maybe. Yeah. Uh, so I did watch a couple. Most of them are not good. I'll start okay. with uh, uh, the most mediocre of them, I think, was My Best Friend's Exorcism. It's a 2022 film uh, directed by Damon Thomas, written by Jenna Lamia, but based on the book by Grady Hendrix, who is one of my favorite authors. He is very much in the mold of Stephen King. Um, the movie and book are about a group of four friends in classic 80s fashion. They're having a party while their parents are away. They're in high school, these four teenage girls, and they decide to do drugs, which is, you know, always a thing you do in 80s movies. When you're a teenager and your parents are away, you do hard drugs in a swamp and you decide <laughs> to go swimming in the bayou of South Carolina. Uh, there's this like weird foreboding building and one of the girls of course gets lost and left in there overnight. She comes back changed, obviously possessed by a demon because duh. Of course. It's an odd movie in the way that it's, I have a thing for adaptations. I love adaptations. I love seeing like how filmmakers adapt material because it is truly an art form. And this is a weird one in that they hit most of the major beats of the book, but somehow it's such a flat movie. Mm -hmm. um, it is the, the book is, I know people always say a book is a richer experience, but I thought this was a really filmable cinematically written book. Mm -hmm. um, and they just, instead of focusing on the relationships between these girls and how they break down when the one girl is a demon is essentially what happens. She becomes like, a mean girl um, and plays all of these four teenage girls off of each other, or I guess the other three teenage girls off of each other and just sows discord and chaos. Mm -hmm. They just kind of like skip over those parts or, or gloss over all of, all of that, all of the relationship stuff, all of the things that made the book great are mainly absent from this movie in exchange for gore and a weird demon CGI fight. <laughs> okay. Which, you know, it, it, it's, it was still a fine movie. I would love, because I don't believe you've read that particular Grady Hendrix book. I know you've read something from him, I believe. Yes. Maybe I just his horrors. nonfiction book. No, I, I did read his nonfiction book about the martial arts movies. I read horror store and I read, um, final girls final girl support group. I yeah, this is full title. One of my two favorite books from him. Um, and it's not even that the movie is bad. It's just, again, I feel like I would love for you to watch this just to tell me if it's because I loved the book so much, or if it really is kind of a flat, flat experience of these okay. girls are just friends. And then there's a demon. And then, um, there was like a very satirical bent to the book, which is kind of in the movie. Again, I don't know how they got everything so right. And it just came across as so meh. Right, right. Hmm. Yeah, there's some, you know, there's movie magic that happens that, that you know, sometimes it's captured, sometimes it's not, you know. Yeah, interesting. I would still give it probably a three or five star rating. Mm-hmm. But it just it could have been so much more and you never get to live with these girls and live with what's what's going on with their group dynamic. You mm. know, it's just all of a sudden one of them's evil and only one of the friends seems to notice and things are just kind of, you know, things just kind of progress without okay. without that emotional beat. Right, right. Uh, well, I'll definitely read it and then watch it. Is this the only movie made from one of his books? I think it might be. I think it might be. I would be shocked if they don't make uh, the Southern Book Club, Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires into a movie because that would also be really great. He also just wrote How to Sell a Haunted House, which I would be surprised if that isn't made into something. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as far as I know, this is the only one that's actually available in print. It's an Amazon original. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, I'll give it a shot. You know, I sent my novel to Grady Hendrix's agent. Uh, I got rejected. <laughs> I picked him because, well, I sent it to a lot of people, but I specifically put Grady Hendrix as one of my uh, comparable titles because uh, he's so into movies and uh, that's kind of what I wrote about. So yeah, a lot of his a lot of his books are very much an homage. The Final Girls uh, is a direct homage yeah. to all of those mm-hmm. um, kind of 80s slasher movies. So and that trope. Yeah, yeah. All right. More stuff from my list. All right, Eric, do you want to play a game? I, I would love to play a game. OK, how about this one? An Airbnb brings out the animal in a tenant. I mean, is it? It doesn't make sense as barbarian. It's not barbarian. This is uh, from a director known for a very different type of comedy. Is it Lars von Trier? (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay, so it's not that movie you made me watch that one time with um, the goblin Willem Dafoe. Oh, Antichrist? Antichrist, yeah. It's not that. I don't know. Oh, it is Tusk, Kevin Smith. Oh, I haven't seen this. Okay. So Tusk is, I admire Tusk so much because, especially if you watch Kevin Smith talk about why he made this after he had given up on movies for a while. Um, And it's such a weird idea of the story of this guy who goes to talk to this old man who's renting out a room. And the only stipulation for you to get this room is that you listen to his stories and then dress up as a walrus. <laughs> and, and he turns this idea into a horror movie. That is a nightmare. <laughs> yes. And uh, it's, it stars Justin Long, who's great. And Michael Parks, who's even better somehow. And, Kevin Smith was smart enough to just give them scenes of them talking to each other and this great weird dialogue. And the movie's dumb. I have to say it's about someone who wants to turn someone into a walrus, but it's played so straight and with like just the hint of Kevin Smith humor that it works really well. And Kevin Smith is actually trying some very interesting things as a director. There's uh, stuff with, uh, he's playing with the timeline and there's some very interesting shots and monologues. And I don't know. I just really admire it. It's so different and weird that it just, it got to me. So Tusk, I would recommend. I think you'll, appre- you'll, you'll find it funny and appreciate it. Even if you don't think it's a good movie. Kevin Smith has done some interesting things since I guess his holy triumvirate uh, that he made in the nineties and early two thousands. Right. Um, another one that I really wanted to see that I haven't is Red State, which is another kind of horror-esque movie. Maybe it's a thriller. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I saw I that. It's... I liked it. I think it was a good departure for Kevin Smith, but it didn't really strike me as that interesting compared to... I mean, I was glad he went in a different direction. But I think Tusk kind of marries a lot of what he does well with some like weird new stuff that he's trying out and... It worked really well. Cool. Um, I'm going to give you another one. How about this one? An old lady just wants to hang out with some sexy teens, but they won't let her. Mama? Nope. (laughs) Hmm. I don't know if you've seen this one. An old lady. Sexy teens. Hang out with some sexy teens. Well, 20-somethings, probably. I'm going to be honest. Then I don't know. It is Ty West's X. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love X. Oh, okay, cool. It's what I think we watched that. It was either last year or two years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it was like last summer. Yeah. And I just absolutely loved it. Yeah, I think it's just a solid horror movie with a good vibe, cool premise, 
Uh, definitely borrowed a lot from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now that I watch them both in, in a row. Um, but everyone's putting in great work and the screenplay uh, kind of knows all the horror tropes and just kind of goes with them. And he directs it really well. So I'm a big fan of X. Yeah, I can't believe uh, that Jenna Ortega. No, is that? Yes. That's not Jenna, right. Yep. Jenna. Ortega. Why does it not sound right? Uh, <laughs> like all of a sudden, I know she was in stuff before that, but I only know that because I looked at her IMDb page. To me, that was the first thing I saw her in. And then mm-hmm. just now she's everywhere. She was Wednesday Adams. That was mm-hmm. such a fun TV show. It's just amazing that she was like this little, little thing in that movie. And now she's kind of everywhere. And she yeah. wasn't even the main character in that church mouse. No, Mia goth is ostensibly the main character and she's Both great. Of them. Yeah. Yeah. She, and you know what? I think she's quickly become a, a sign of quality for me. Like every Mia goth movie I've seen has is been. Is she in any besides X and Pearl, which oh, yeah. is a prequel to X. Yeah. She's in a bunch. She was in uh Suspiria, infinity pool. Oh, High yeah. life. Really want to see that. Uh, Emma. She was in Nymphomaniac. I don't remember um, her character, though, in Nymphomaniac. Speaking of Lars von Trier. But just looking at her, her filmography, like everything I've seen of hers has been, if not really good, then just good and interesting. Yeah, and X is A24, isn't it? You know, I'll it always is. watch them. Yep. I, I still remember the one shot in that movie that was like breathtaking to me. And I was maybe a little high at the time, but uh, <laughs> was a very high angle on the lake when they first get to this farmhouse kind of in the middle of nowhere to mm-hmm. shoot their pornographic film. And uh, I, it might just be one character swimming in the lake, but they go to this really high sky overhead view and there's something swimming in the lake. Yeah, I just remember like, the visual of that scene was so cool. And the, the buildup for this movie, I want to say nobody dies for the first, probably close to hour. And then from then on, it's just like a slaughter fest and it Uh is sublime. I loved it. (laughs) Awesome. I'm glad we agree on, on it. Um, all right, Eric, you want to talk about something else you watched? Yeah. I watched a movie in your favorite micro genre of people Mm. trapped in a place. I'm wondering yeah. if you've seen it. Uh, okay. It is The Dare from 2019. The Dare. By Giles Anderson. Written by not. Giles Anderson and Johnny Grant. The Dare. All of my movies are available on Amazon Prime. Um, not that this is a commercial for them, but that's how I found these movies. Added it to my watch list. for my Oh, please do. Eventual book on this topic. <laughs> um... The movie is two parallel storylines. In one, a small child is abused by his caretaker, who is undoubtedly the best part of this movie, Richard Brake, who is also the father in Barbarian. Um, He plays such a great, menacing, evil character. I'm not even sure if he has really more than a line of dialogue in Barbarian. He has a lot of dialogue in this, and it mm-hmm. is just his delivery is phenomenal. He is a very frail looking, skinny man and just somehow manages all of the weight that's not on his bones manages to be behind his performance. And he is scary as hell, even though he's not really the focus of the movie. Mm-hmm. He's the sadistic father figure and unfortunately is really the only reason to watch this movie. Oh, oh well, that's kind of the B story. The a story, uh, opens with a man and he's fighting with his wife, um, because he's going away to a conference the next day. Again, apparently he does this a lot is implied. They have two small little girls and then all of a sudden he's abducted and he wakes up in this room. It's a stonewalled windowless room, There are three other people. They're each chained to a corner of the room. Mm -hmm. One of them is so disgusting. He has been torn up. He's got open wounds everywhere. His mouth is sewn shut. The other two are just kind of, you know, 20 somethings. It is torture porn without really a point. Mm -hmm. Kind of like saw without any charisma. Okay. <laughs> it is just gross. 
And it doesn't make any sense. The movie, these two storylines are kind of like flipped back and forth between the two. The one with the little boy is kind of interesting. You don't understand the relationship between him and this man, because it's clear that this man is not his father, but you're just like, well, wait a minute is the father says weird things that are like, you can either stay here or you go back where you came from, but he's like feeding him raw meat and he's like sleeping in a barn. The guy, I don't know if he's a butcher or whatever. At one point he sprays him with a hose of blood. It's (laughs) gross. And you feel so bad for this kid. He has the opportunity to leave and doesn't. So you're like, I don't know what's going on here. Um, you're trying to figure out why these four people were chosen by this man to get tortured. And the man is clearly not the old man. And it's pretty clear what is kind of happening, but not why. Mm-hmm. Um, so you come to learn that these four people who are in this room knew each other as kids, but they don't recognize each other. Right. And what had happened was this little boy approached their campfire one night as they're telling scary stories about a house in the woods and they torture this kid. Like they throw bugs on him. They tie him to the ground and like pour worms on him and do all this sort of stuff. And they're like, you can join our gang. And the last dare is the next day when they dare him to go into this house and the house is where the guy lives and he abducts the little kid. Mm Mm-hmm. And raises this kid, and that's why he becomes big and strong, eventually kills the old man. Yeah. When he finds out the old man killed his real parents who were travelers. I don't know. I'm assuming that's some kind of gypsy because it looked like they were living in trailers. Right, right. Um, and it's just so unbelievable, so full of plot holes where you're like, how did they not recognize each other? Even <laughs> <Yeah>. if, <laughs> There are lines of dialogue that don't make any sense in these flashbacks where the four kids are like, you know, oh, we only knew each other for two days. And it's, are you talking about each other? Because you seem to form a pretty tight knit little band of psychopaths Mm -hmm. for two days who just all of a sudden agree to torture this little boy for having the audacity to want to be their friend. Mm -hmm. Um, Or like, did you only know the kid for two days? Because there's only two scenes with you together. How did you not recognize if I tortured a little kid in the woods and then left him in a house where I saw him get abducted, which at least I think one of the people saw, I feel like I'd remember those kids. Yeah. yeah, Right. And they like never figured out until the guy without a mouth dies and tells them that the, the guy who's brutalizing them has a horseshoe brand. Oh, and then they recognize that. And then they're like, Oh, it's that weird kid. So they all remember this horseshoe brand on a kid's hand, mm-hmm. uh, which also opens up another plot hole because there's a scene where it shows the little kid getting the brand and then the adult is giving himself the brand, Mm -hmm. but the kid had it before the adult would have had control of him. So like (laughs) what? Okay. The movie is so poorly told Uh that it's just frustrating to watch. And you're like, this is dumb. And how dumb do you think I am to watch this? You know, they all know each other's names. They're not like, Oh, Hey, I knew a guy in this exact same town because they're in the farm. Right, right. It's like they were there already. (laughs) Yeah, it's so bad. Okay. Uh, Well, please watch it. I I loved it. Still on my watch list only because of its subject matter. Damn it for liking these dumb movies. I love the bad ones, so I'll probably enjoy it. But it's not a fun bad. I don't know. Maybe if I watched it again and wasn't just like, What? Hoping for something better. How? Why? Mm-hmm. I'd say uh, Richard Brake and the last five minutes of this movie are the only reasons to watch. Okay. But even the last five minutes were frustrating. <laughs> okay. <laughs> A ringing endorsement. <laughs> Do you have more for me? I got two more. How about you? I have one more movie I'd like to talk about. All right. Let me do my two and then we can close with yours. All right, this one I hope you get. A young woman gets mad at people when they tell her not to dance. Tell her not to dance. Yes. So it's not the ring. (laughs) Tell her not to dance. (sighs) I will say Hmm. it's 
It's this is. A, uh, I mean, I would say Footloose, but it can't be. <laughs> this is a giveaway clue. It is tied to the last movie that I talked about. I don't Tusk. Ask X. <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, is it Pearl? It is Pearl. Yes. I've never seen it. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> okay. Well, I won't spoil it, but I think Pearl is better than X. It's a very different type of movie. Pearl, as you probably know, is about the old lady as a youngster. I was hoping this was going to be a Julianne Huff movie. (laughs) I don't get that reference. Well, she was in the remake of Footloose. Okay. Oh, yes, she was. (laughs) That's a deep cut from our history together. Oh, man. Um, So Pearl, also directed by Ty West, filmed like in secret while they were making X or right after X or something. Same location, Mia Goth playing the uh, young version of the old lady. Um, the plot involves her not great upbringing and wanting to escape uh, out into the real world by being a dancer. That's all I'll say. I will say it's filmed more like a Hollywood classic. The vibes of this film are very much Hollywood musical. It opens. Uh, do you remember the first shot of X? It's a shot. I don't. It's a shot of the house, the farmhouse through the barn door. So it's framed like an old eight millimeter film, like square. And Mm -hmm. it looks just like that framing. This is the same exact shot, except it pulls in and the barn doors open like curtains. And you get this beautiful, like widescreen shot of the farmhouse. So it's really cool how they juxtapose those two opening shots to show like the different styles of the movies. These movies had such a cool, uh, I mean, I can't really speak for Pearl, but I even remember the trailer and how cool I thought some of the shots in the trailer were. Yeah. I remember uh, there was a really cool tracking shot of her storming with an axe across a field. That is a great shot. Yeah, that's a really great shot. I mean, it's so striking. It's why I love A24, even if I don't necessarily love the finished product, is because Mm -hmm. these movies, like, they have a look and a feel uh, that almost looked like the film quality was like from the seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there was like a graininess and maybe like slightly out of focus kind of like yeah, vibe at that. least yep. to X. And I feel like I remember, I remember something interesting about like the color palette on the Pearl trailer. Oh, it's very colorful. They like almost technicolor it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It really but looks like, like that. Yeah, like Technicolor, like, yeah, like the 70s or maybe the 80s. Like, it definitely didn't look like it was filmed in this decade. Mm-hmm. Everything yep. now is so clean and so kind of stark, even if it's colorful. It's, you know, just kind of like this brutalist precision. <laughs> right, right. And this definitely is much more saturated. And it, it calls to mind the 50s for sure. And... um. Mia Goth and Ty West are doing, they're trying things. They're doing very interesting things that for me work really well. Like where Tusk was like trying things and some of it doesn't work in this one, they're trying crazy things and they, and they work. There's, uh, I won't, without spoiling it, I can say that it probably has my favorite closing shot of any movie. <laughs> and uh, it has some incredible scenes like that tracking shot. And then there's this, this monologue that happens at one point, which is just so great to watch. And Mia Goth is going for it. She's so into her character and so intense. It's like, it's like a Gary Oldman performance. It's really good. <laughs> so I'm a huge fan of, of Pearl. I like it better than X. It's a very different type of movie, but it shares the same sort of DNA, which was really getting me really excited to watch this. I've uh, I've had this on my to watch shelf. I have a whole shelf of DVDs Mm -hmm. uh, that I've gotten from the library that I just haven't watched yet. And I'm I'm ready. Yeah, I did the double feature. It made both movies better in a way. What order did you watch them in? Uh, X and then Pearl as they were filmed. So release order, not timeline order correct yes and i think it helped uh it helped that i'd seen pearl before and then rewatched x because i caught a few little things that were added which was neat but i think that they it 
it's meant to be seen in the way they made it. Um, all right, I got one more for you. This okay. one, I know this is a, a movie you probably have seen. A teen dreams of coming out as homosexual, but the local gardener won't let that happen. Is he a gardener or is he a school maintenance man? <laughs> well, it just depends which which version of which movie you watch him in. <laughs> uh, I would say that this is Nightmare on Elm Street 2, which is infamously... Uh, supposedly, the writers didn't realize all of the homosexual subtext in the movie, which I find implausible <laughs> yes you are correct and i agree nightmare on elm street part two freddy's revenge and yes there's a lot of homosexual subtext uh n- not even subtext it's pretty blatant. it's just text text <laughs> yeah and um i think that that's great for that time period you know uh it's very subversive for what yeah. year must have this come out like 86 yeah it's the first one was 84, so this was probably 85, 86. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yep, 85. And, yeah, it's definitely subversive. And especially with the casting of the lead, an actor who was in some uh, films that where he played uh, a gay-coded character uh, before this. So, like, casting him was just apparently, like, an obvious homage to what they were trying to do even though the director had no idea <laughs> um uh, but th- as a horror movie it is lacking it tells the story of F- freddie some a new family moves into the same house on elm street and freddie inhabits this kid's dreams and inhabits his body and makes him commit murders in real life and yeah this was i feel like this is even not maybe not even a canon movie anymore Oh, really? It has kind of been ignored basically in the rest of the timeline. It was a weird movie. I remember when I was a kid who obviously would not have understood what was going on in some of those scenes, just not liking this movie. And I loved Freddy Krueger. It was a very, very weird thing where the boy becomes possessed by the spirit of Freddy. Yes. I I don't know. It doesn't fit with the rest of the movies. No, it doesn't. I love the first one for that whole like fear of falling asleep and you know not and just being inside a horrible nightmare that's real. This one, it was very hard to tell what point of view you were watching a scene from. Like, oh, is this a dream? Oh no, it's not a dream because everybody apparently is seeing the same thing that this kid is seeing. <laughs> so there was a lot of that where it just wasn't directed um, as solidly, as sturdily as I would have wanted. Uh, and yeah, Freddy doesn't feel like Freddy. He's not quipping. He's not doing anything really goofy. He's just being scary looking. Well, that was more in line with the first one because after the first one, mm-hmm. I feel like is where Freddy became the Freddy. We all know the first one is a great movie on its own, mm-hmm. um, but he really becomes like this kind of the horror version of an Arnold Schwarzenegger, or Sylvester Stallone action hero from right, the right. third one on is where they start to like slowly delve into that side of his personality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen the second one in a long time, a long, long time. So the effects are fun. There were some g- cool horror scenes like where Freddy comes out of his body um, and some cool gore and weird effects, but overall it was pretty, uh, I was left wanting the climax also is not very climactic. So, also, it's only 80 something minutes, so it like really flies by. And when time was over, I was like, oh, that's it. All right. <laughs> I guess I guess it's over. Not my favorite of the franchise. I don't think it's anybody's favorite. <laughs> I am a fan of number one and number three. And um, I remember New Nightmare being pretty good, but otherwise I haven't seen the rest. You haven't seen. Did you say you haven't seen the rest, or you don't remember them? I have not seen them. You haven't seen four, five, and six. Um, no. Which one was was New Nightmare? Not number five or six. <laughs> uh, New Nightmare, I believe, is number seven. Okay, so yeah, I have not seen four, five, but six. it's it's a meta movie. It's not really. Yeah. That six is was... about the making of the 
Well, I guess technically just the first one. I don't remember, but I remember it was pretty cool. But yeah, they were filming a Freddy movie. Might have been a new Freddy movie. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you have to go back and watch four, five, and six. Uh, well, that'll be next next time. I had to catch up with number two first because I had, had not seen that before. <laughs> wow. I can't believe they pumped out six movies in seven years. That's crazy, right? They really... That is uh, insane. Yeah. And they really expanded on the lore in every movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm going to have to go back and watch those because it's probably been a couple of years for me. But I, I have definitely watched three through six a bunch of times each. Mm-hmm. They're just fun. They're fun, fun, goofy horror movies. They're the only ones who realize, who seem to realize how ridiculous it was to have so many movies of these characters who won't die and just like play into the humor aspect of it. Okay. Even if yeah. I wouldn't say that they qualify as horror comedies, I think there's a certain element to it where they expect you to root for Freddy. Right, right even though he inevitably will not triumph. Uh, not like Jigsaw. <laughs> not like Jigsaw. Wins every time. The puzzle always gets put together. Yes. All right, Eric, you want to close it out? with? I'll close it out with something I actually enjoyed. It okay. is a brand stinking new movie that just... Can I say it came out three days ago, even though, it, to my knowledge, it's not released in theaters, it's just on Amazon Prime. Could I could I take a guess as to what this is? Go go for it. <laughs> is it totally killer? You totally killed it. It is. <laughs> I have not watched it yet. So, wow! It is directed by I'm going to totally butcher this name Nanachka Khan, written by David Metalon, uh, Sasha Pearl Raver. That's a cool name. I just realized how cool that name is. And Jen D'Angelo. Hmm. And it is starring Kiernan Shipka and Julie Bowen and also Randall Park, who I love more and more every time I see him. He is such a fun character actor. You mean you mean Jim? Yeah, Jim. <laughs> Jim from The Office. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it is exactly as it's advertised. It advertises itself as Back to the Future meets Scream. And it is definitely that. This is one of my favorite micro genres. Maybe maybe a micro micro genre of sci-fi horror comedy. Okay. Um, Kiernan Shipka plays Jamie Hughes, who is the daughter of Pam Hughes, played by Julie Bowen. Pam Hughes was the only survivor of the Sweet 16 killer who killed three of Pam Hughes's friends. They were basically four mean girls. They call themselves four mollies. I'm pretty sure that's an homage to Heather's. Um, where they each dress as a different Molly Ringwald character because this movie is ridiculous. Yep. Uh, so th- three of her friends were killed over the course of a few days. They were all stabbed 16 times and one of them was turning 16. Hence the sweet 16 killer. It's 25 years later and the sweet 16 killer comes back to complete his mission by killing Pam. Jamie somehow stumbles her way into a time machine and ends up the same day that the first killing happens in 1987. And she has the chance to change the future. This was a really fun movie. It's not great. I would still probably only give it three and a half stars or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say it just lacks kind of the heart of back to the future, you know, where he gets to go back and he, Marty McFly understands his parents by interacting with them as teenagers and like starts to see them as people, you know, this movie kind of lacks that in favor Mm -hmm. of leaning into the horror tropes, but it's still just a fun time. There's nothing to really think about. Um, It does do the back to the future thing where, you know, maybe the things she does in the past have altered her future. We don't, you know, I'm not going to spoil it, but it is, it's a fun time. And I love that they're starting to make homages to some of my favorite movies. Cause back to the future. I'm not sure where exactly you'd be, but probably in my top 10, maybe in my top 15, 20. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love back to the future. I love groundhogs day and they made that into happy death day. Yeah. So I really, <laughs> if somebody could take somebody in Hollywood, take my like top 10 movies and make horror comedies out of them. I would just, 
be forever in your debt. <laughs> I see someone on Letterboxd comparing it to listing um, this is Slasher Back to the Future. And then there's also Slasher Groundhog Day and Slasher Freaky Friday, which I did see. I just can't I, I saw Freaky, it. yeah. Freaky, thank you. And Slasher Last Action Hero, which I think is the final girls. Oh, I don't know. I haven't seen that. Which I did see as well. Um, like, can yeah, they do they're, Slasher they're... Shawshank Redemption? <laughs> Slasher Braveheart? I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, the, the, this endless. They can mine our childhood forever. Just we're, mine we're, it, please. We're willing to buy movie tickets now. Just we don't can, put Mel Gibson <laughs> in it. If you do Slasher Braveheart, don't put Mel Gibson in it. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely uh, better people that could be in that movie now. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, all those movies we talked about were fun. So it sounds like same thing just fun yeah it's not as as poignant as i would have liked it to have been or as it could have been Um, you can't all be back to the future you know you can't all be back to the future but it's 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 a good way to spend about an hour and a half okay better than the dare i i I way better than the dare which (laughs) is a horrible way to spend an hour and 36 minutes okay all right eric well it sounds like you got a having some fun. I dare you to watch the dare and enjoy it. Oh man. Well, I will, I will. It's on my watch list. So it has to get watched, but can this bump something on Hooptober? Are you allowed to make substitutions halfway through the month? Uh, I am, but I'm not going to do that. I want to enjoy my Hooptober. (laughs) I have carefully curated my list. I don't even know what category the dare would fit into. Well, send me the list and I'll tell you what you can take off your dumb one and put in the dare instead. All right. I'll do that. And then we could reconvene next episode. And, and if you, if you did your job and, and picked a good s- substitution, I will review the dare next episode. We shall see. Perfect. <laughs> so we're not going to do our normal thing next episode. We're going to continue Keep our horror movie. Horror. Will, will we continue the game? Oh, maybe we will. Did you enjoy Maybe I'll game? prepare my, a, a game for you. Okay. Well, you, it'll be your turn to be jigsaw. This is, scary actually (laughs) yeah i'm gonna show up with one of those masks and swirly spirals such sights to see along with my other projects can be found on proleary.com on letterboxd i'm long monkey and eric is normal monkey because i'm longer thanks for listening and as always have a good night and sweet dreams Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater.